Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today, I'm thrilled to have Alex Genov on my show, who's a well-known leader at Zappos. We're discussing how AI and technology are reshaping retail, pushing boundaries beyond traditional customer service. You're going to hear about ways Zappos employs AI not to just sift through feedback, but to forge a deeper connection with customers. You'll also learn about a metric that's setting new standards in measuring customer trust, something most businesses overlook and yet a pivotal tool in building lasting customer loyalty in the retail space and beyond. Before we get started, I want to give special thanks to the sponsor of this episode, iCor, a managed services provider of customer engagement and technology-enabled business process outsourcing solutions, supported by 40,000 amazing employees spanning 10 countries. Passionate about delivering an outstanding omni-channel customer experience for brands across the globe, iCore harnesses intelligent CX technology and AI-driven innovations empowered by Symphony, iCore's generative AI ecosystem that can scale teams anywhere. iCore's BPO solutions create happy employees and delighted customers to create the CX experience brands demand to win and keep customers. Please take time to learn more at iCore.com. That's I-Q-O-R.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Alex Genov. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show again. Hi, Stacey. A pleasure to be with you. Well, I say again for those listening because Alex is the first one of my over 100 shows that is a return visitor. And I'm so excited to talk because it's been, I feel like, two years since you were here. So a lot's happened. Um, I know, Stacey. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for the invite back. Uh, I feel really honored for this uh, repeat guest uh, title. Yes. So for those who don't know Alex, if that's possible... Alex, who are you professionally? What do you do for a living? Um, sure, Stacey. Um, so I lead um, the customer research practice at Zappos. And what this is, is um, all the research that we do to really help the organization understand customers as individuals, as human beings, um, understand their psychology, so this is all work that is uh, complementary to all the great work that our friends um, in analytics and data science do when they look at all the vast amount of numbers we have. So my role is, the way I see it, is to provide a little bit of balance and uh, bring this uh, humanity to, to the equation um, and really try to provide this uh, full view of the customer as uh, the complex human beings that we are. Mm. Yes, we are complex. What is a fun fact that people might not know about you, Alex? 
Fun fact, yeah. Uh, so one of them is I'm a big fan and practitioner of uh, Shaolin Kung Fu. And um, I visited the temple three times now. And uh, the second time we spent a week there and they uh, we trained, of course. Uh, but then they uh, bestowed on us uh, titles of, uh, they gave us honorary discipleship. So I'm a 34th generation Shaolin disciple, although... I have done very little to, I haven't earned it. I haven't trained enough or <laughs> endured all the hardships that the, the real uh, disciples uh, have done. But uh, it's one of those, mm. uh, I guess. So a lot's changed, obviously, since I've seen you last, but certainly since you were 20 years old. <laughs> With all the wisdom that you have now, what would you tell younger Alex based on what you didn't know then that you know now? Sure. This was, yeah, this was what, a couple of years ago? <laughs> sure, exactly. <laughs> I, can, I can remember. Um, no, that's a great question, Stacey. So I would say um, the following, I'll, I'll give myself the following advice, is to be, I guess, less focused on some objective scientific truth because I was a very younger um practitioner right uh, coming out of academia you know i spent 10 years studying psychology and and so be less focused on some objective scientific truth and take a more practical approach to research um, in the business context understand the business uh, inner workings a little bit better and really focus on building relationships as much as uh, focus on uh, being true to the scientific method mm. Great answer. Well, let's get to the heart of the show, which there's a bunch of questions I have for you today. So since this is the Doing CX Right show, I want to start there. When I say that, what does that mean to you, doing customer experience right to Alex? Uh, yes, that is the $64,000 question. Or it's Thinking of good CX, probably millions in the millions and millions, probably billions, as uh, Carl Sagan would say, right? Billions and billions. <laughs> um, so that's uh, to me is I'm going to go back to um, when I'm what I mentioned in my intro, which is balancing um, looking at the numbers with um, understanding customers um, on a deeper psychological level. To me, that that is really in this balance, uh, which is hard to achieve in a in a at a time when we're so enamored with um, AI and numbers and big data and data science and so on. So, so it is important to look back and uh, and um, try to bring this humanity to the equation, if you will. So, one really uh, metaphor that I I love um, that I try to apply to my work uh, at Zappos and uh, try to evangelize in terms of uh, any any business adopting it is the metaphor of hospitality, which is not reserved only for restaurants and, and hotels. And I've learned this from um, a fa the famous uh, New York restaurateur, Danny Meyer, who wrote the book, uh, Setting the Table. I don't know if we talked uh, last time, we talked about this, but... He defines hospitality as when something is done for you and not to you. So I'd, I'd say this is the same, the same definition of uh, good and great customer experience is when you feel that something is done for you and not to you. 
Hmm. Does Zappos apply that intentionally and is CX a differentiator? Absolutely, Stacey. I mean, if you think about, let's first talk about the history of Zappos. Um, Zappos was built on the idea, a very counterintuitive idea at the time, almost 25 years ago, um, that um, customer service is going to be the differentiator at a time when uh, most businesses saw it as a nuisance and a cost to be minimized. Mm -hmm. um, Tony and the team uh, decided to go the other way and basically invested a lot in, in creating this amazing customer service. Because if you think back, um, nobody was buying shoes online, the internet was new. And that was the way to gain this customer trust and, and, and provide a great experience. Um, and uh, so great customer service, great selection, but also this very generous returns policy that was essential to, to create this um, sense of comfort of buying shoes online. So that was um, that was the, the the history of Zappos and and the origin story, if you will. And Tony used to say Zappos is a customer service company that happens to sell shoes. So fast forward um, 25 years, and our current CEO Scott Schaefer, who's been with uh, Zappos for over 15 years, he has evolved this statement or this mission to say Zappos is a customer experience company that happens to sell shoes. So. Customer experience is viewed as as more than just customer service. So applying it to the digital experiences, to every aspect of uh, the end-to-end -end customer experience. So those guys did not comment on AI and customer experience uh, mm -hmm. the way we know AI today in this moment. So what do you? What is your answer around? how Zappos is or will be using AI for better customer experience without giving trade secrets away, of course. But in general, what do you see that looks like? Of course, Stacey. Well, we, we cannot have a talk or a panel or a podcast without uh, discussing AI because that's, the, <laughs> that's the, kind of the topic du jour. I mean, AI has been you know, around for a while now. We call it different things, right? Big data, big data, and so on. And um, the algorithms have been around for a while. Um, the explosion of uh, and the really amazing capabilities that were almost unveiled, right? That ChatGPT, for example, has made it a bit uh, more front and center. So now everybody's talking about it. Um, in general, so what I've seen uh, personally is this uh, incredible editing uh, capability to understand language, to edit, to create, right? Both language and, and images and so on. So it's absolutely undeniable in that respect. Uh, going beyond that, I have my questions, right? And I'm still waiting to see any capabilities that are beyond the linguistic capabilities of, of AI. I've also, I'm not a technologist and I know technologists are very excited because uh, um, I guess that sort of AI can go and, and look at millions of lines of code and find errors and, and write better code than humans can do. So that's also another aspect. I'm not um, really familiar with the, the technical aspects of it. But when it comes to creating an end-to-end customer experience, I'd say the, the, the principle, the age-old principle is the same. If you start from the technology and try to 
fit it somehow in the experience or, or find the use of it, most likely you're not going to hit the mark. Uh, but if you start with the customer experience in mind um, and how you want your customers to feel, which, which is the, to me the definition of experience, um, then you can figure out what the best technology is and then you can use the capabilities of AI to create that. So in practical terms, um, I think the wrong way to approach it is to say, you know, everybody is using these uh, chatbots, right? And now they're powered by AI, so they're more, more powerful chatbots, so we, we have to have one of those. And then you start thinking, well, how are we going to exactly use them? Uh, versus the other way around should be um, we have to communicate with our customers somehow, right? We have to, uh, maybe we want to create this uh, conversational commerce. So to me, conversational commerce is not a chatbot. It's a way of going back and forth with your customers somehow through the digital experiences. And then mm-hmm. you can say, well, what's the best technology for that? And it may mm-hmm. be clear. Or it may be some super powerful uh, chatbot powered by AI, um, but to me, it's that forces you to think about what uh, inputs go into that and and how you write the algorithm to reflect uh, what customers want and how they feel, for example. So let's talk about this in kindergarten terms: <laughs> AI right. and shoes. Okay, connect the dots here. How does this come together? Yeah, I mean, it's still in its infancy. I know um, our CTO, um, we have an awesome CTO, Nigel Story, who's um, really interested in applying AI um, to to the experience in inappropriate ways. Um, and it's still to be determined. I mean, it's still this, this whole effort in, is in its infancy, but I hope to, to to try things in the that, that we try things in the area of um, the biggest opportunities for our customers and for the business, which is when it comes to shoes and clothing, size and fit is a is a major uh, challenge for any retailer, right? Because um, the way it's sold in the store is the store associate comes back for with like ten different uh, a pile of uh, boxes, right? And you keep trying until you to get the right fit and um, and comfort level and so on. How do you do that online? Well, you know, there has been there have been a lot of startups and a lot of efforts to do 3D imaging of the foot to have this virtual fitting and so on. Um, I still am not aware of some really successful such technology. So how can AI help? Um, I mean, I hope it helps to to standardize, um, to create some kind of standard all across all brands and all retailers, right, in terms of uh, shoe sizing. Um, there's interesting opportunities to apply it when it comes to um, predicting, you know, what people will, will need. For example, kids, you know, their, their feet grow at predictable rates and so on. So can AI help in that respect? That sort of thing. That would be, um, I think, really helpful. Um, also, if mm-hmm. AI can help in creating a truly inclusive experience, right, in terms of um, all kinds of body shapes and sizes, right, and going beyond these uh, buckets that we have, uh, petite, uh, you know, <laughs> big and tall, 
plus and all mm. that, that are kind of silly. Um, you know, people's bodies don't fit in like these three categories. And so how can this powerful new technology, this AI help with that? That, that to me, these are all open questions. So what you're saying, obviously, is AI can really help with personalization. Mm-hmm. And from research, which is what you do a lot of, and research, marketing, and even the contact center or customer service, where is the AI helping to facilitate those jobs and those responsibilities? Any opinion on that? Well, I mean, I don't... I think, again, I say, I'm saying it's in its infancy. So I think there's there's a lot of, you know, so-called jobs to be done um, in Clay Christensen's terms that AI can help with. I mean, I can, I can give you one specific example. Okay, AI, in the research context, you know, we, we, we have a very robust voice of the customer program, which um, mm-hmm. we started 10 years ago. Now we have close to a million customer comments. Um, and... Um, we track customer sentiment, so how they feel and why they feel about certain aspects of the experience. And uh, AI is the only way to analyze this uh, kind of data, this unstructured data to structure it and to extract the, the nuggets, right? Uh, from the, the human, like no single human brain, and even you give it to a million people, they won't, won't be able to do this analysis the way AI does it. Um, and so we've been partnering for for a few years with a really great uh, startup um, out of the UK called Chattermill. And so they have a natural language processing engine that's really powerful. So it's not it's not necessarily it was the generation before Chat GPT. And and my understanding of this technology is that these models existed. It just Chat GPT is this much more enormous collection of these models. Or so something happens that makes it really, takes it a qualitative step above the rest. But, you know, we've been using the Chattermill technology for for years now, and it's um, been very practical and helpful to to figure out what 100,000 comments a year say about the experience. It's not possible to read them all (laughs) manually. It's... It's post. I mean, you can say you can read them. Somebody can read them. It's going to take years and years. But then, even if you take a hundred comments, you can read those. But the the amount of work it goes to into classifying each one. So, so take one comment, classifying it into positive and negative sentiment because it can contain both, and then um, tagging it with the appropriate root cause, right? And then that just working on one comment. That's Imagine the number of columns in a spreadsheet that you have now multiplied this by a thousand. So it's it's practically impossible. You're right. Yeah. And the other thing is, I don't know if Chattermill does this, but I want to encourage listeners, not only is this so important about aggregating the voice of customer from that unstructured data, but make sure you're also intertwining the customer service conversations, the chat logs. There's so many multi-sources of insights. Agree? Absolutely. And then to close the loop, um, Zappos now has gone a step further and we've um, integrated with a a company called um, Content Square. So it's a session replay 
technology that now we can see if somebody has a, an issue and says something vague in the comment, I mean, negative, frustrated, but vague, we can go and see what actually happened. And then that technology um, quantifies it too. So our you know engineers now can uh, very quickly go and and close those um, those holes in the bathtub that that caused a lot of not only customer frustration but uh, bottom line effects uh, for the business. And that's the game changer. I mean, I want people to really listen to this. Not only do you get the feedback from multi sources, but close the loop, as Alex said. Because if you don't, the data just sits somewhere and nothing happens and your strategies are just serving your own purpose instead of customer needs. Exactly. And it's been an evolution to where we first started the Voice of the Customer program and started reporting the Net Promoter Score, where the executives had the had this reaction, which is like completely justified, which is don't just tell me about a number. And, and especially when this number is going down, don't be this like alarmist uh, person, but tell me what we can do to fix it. And that that is hidden in those uh, on those comments. And I mean, to, to be completely, um, to, to be honest, we were doing the investigation manually for a while, right? Before before we scaled it up with new technology. So it's not it's not so much the technology, right? You can go in the logs and. It's kind of painful, but you can you can find the nuggets and the root causes, and then technology scales. So I think that's a very important point to make, which is don't wait for the like if you don't have budget for some like expensive technology spend, you can still go and it's going to take longer, but uh, you can still do it. Absolutely. Now I want to shift for a moment about an important topic you've written and spoken around, and it's NTS, Net Trust Score. What is that about? Right. That's a, yeah, that's a great question, Stacey. So um, this, is, um, this is a question or a statement, um, the way I remember it, I heard it years ago um, from Fred Raquel, who developed the Net Promoter Score. And he, when he was in, at Bain and they marketed it so well that it became the de facto standard of uh, measurement of customer experience, right? The C, um, all the C-suite uh, question, because it's 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 brilliant. It's one question. They validated it uh, to measure not only customer satisfaction but loyalty, which is you you're not only happy with the service or the product, you are telling your friends about it, or if you're so unhappy about it, you're telling others not to. So it measures loyalty and viral word of mouth promotion. That's important to yes. note. It's not just a satisfaction measure. And when he mentioned this new, this other question, which obviously he didn't market uh, well enough because it's not very well known, but it's a, it's a brilliant statement, simple like the Net Promoter question, and it says, "Let's say retailers always have my best interest as a customer in mind." So it's basically, or you can say Zappos, or you can say any any company always have my best interest as a customer in mind. And it's interesting, here's, uh, reminds me of, um, I read a quote uh, from the none, none other than the Dalai Lama, who said that um, we're naturally driven by self-interest. It's necessary to survive, but we need 
but we need wise self-interest that is generous and cooperative, taking others' interests into account. I mean, think about that. Right? The Dalai Lama is saying that, right? We need wise self-interest. And I think that's what this, this is saying is, um, of course, n- nobody's saying this company should be giving away products for free because that business is not going to exist for long, right? So customers understand that there's a balance and um, I think um, businesses that honor this balance will be more successful. So that's the, the essence of measuring trust in that way because you can you can measure it in many different ways. So Edelman, they have this trust barometer, but they measure it at a much, first of all, they use a whole bunch of questions, this lengthy questionnaire that measures various mm-hmm. aspects of trust. And so they aggregate it. Um, you can measure the, you can use the simple question, I trust Zappos or I trust, which, which is okay. Then says, if, if you don't trust Zappos, why? Right. But to have this best interest in mind to me, it comes closer to Danny Meyer's idea of hospitality, which is something I'm doing something. I'm on your side. I'm doing something for you. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that realization. And uh, of course, to, you need to break it down just like with NPS to figure out what drives it. Um, when we ask this uh, open-ended question, overwhelmingly, we got the responses, uh, well, uh, companies are only after their profit. Profit, profit, profit. So that, that's, that's why um, if customers mistrust businesses, it's because they believe that it's kind of a one-sided relationship. Yeah, and I know for sure that Zappos has earned customer trust uh, so well. So it this is a great topic, especially for that brand. Mm-hmm. Well, as we're getting to the end here, uh, some rapid fire questions. So first of all, best leadership advice that you have received, Alex, or given to somebody else, what stands out? Yes, uh, that's a great question. I would say to to leave the ego at the door and to really focus on on what's essential, which is which is doing the right thing and and doing doing great work, and not to expect uh, not to expect uh, praise or credit necessarily. And that's um, basically mm-hmm. I, going back to my initial question uh, mention of uh, Shaolin Kung Fu. One of my teachers' teachers visited uh, Vegas uh, from Shaolin, and he gave the story of of uh, the the founder of Kung Fu who visited the, the Chinese emperor, and the emperor asked him uh, this question. He said that he recounted all everything that he's done for the Chinese people, and he said, "Should I get credit for this?" And and um, and this guy Damos basically said that the moment you ask for credit, you've lost it. So so it's basically mm-hmm. that is uh, it's important I think that's um, you know humility and being humble is important that's one of the Zappos uh, core values actually being humble love that very much and what is a takeaway if people listening are going to remember one thing from this episode what do you want them to walk away with and apply Sure, Stacey. That I would say it's it's this uh, that customers aren't numbers, and if you treat mm-hmm. them as such, you will not have loyal customers uh, for long. Mm. Or employees. Or employees. So that's another very important point. This is the speaking of the total experience. 
That includes employees, that includes vendors, your partners. And that's what, again, going back to the Zappos, um, the foundations of Zappos, Zappos DNA was built on first uh, do right by your vendors, by your employees, and by your customers. Kind of in that order. Yeah, so good. Well, I am so grateful to have you on the show. The time went too fast, as always. And I will include in the show notes the best way to get in touch with you. And of course, Zappos. And just thank you for being here. I'm so glad to see you again. Thanks, Stacey. Pleasure is all mine. Special thanks to the sponsor of this episode, iCore a managed services provider of customer engagement and technology-enabled business process outsourcing solutions, supported by 40,000 amazing employees spanning 10 countries. Learn more at iCore.com. That's I-Q-O-R.com. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacy Sherman, Doing CX Right. <laughs>